Sports are back. Save 40% while you're at it at The Athletic if you want to come on and subscribe. If you listen to this podcast and you don't subscribe to The Athletic, what are you doing? I'm a writer who they just let talk. You can come on and you can read my stuff. And if you don't even want to read my stuff, you can read about 100 people who are better than me. So come on, subscribe to The Athletic, especially now that sports are back. You can get 40% off. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe and save now. Sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams or any other kind of analysis or follow-ups from games, features, all the stuff that we have on there. So go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Welcome to a new episode of Wizards After Dark. Uh, Right before the NBA's restart is about to begin, recording this one on Wednesday afternoon, a couple days before the Wizards open up the new season, restart the season, whatever it is, against the Suns on Friday afternoon. And uh, we're just going to preview some some Wizards stuff and and talk Wizards and maybe talk Bradley Beal All-NBA stuff and and mostly just talk about what we want to see from these or what the Wizards want to see from these final eight games of the regular season and maybe maybe the postseason who the heck knows uh joining me today is my producer as always andrew schlecht looking forward to some bonga talk today oh we got yeah. bonga talk and and of course my esteemed editor uh david aldridge that's what i like to hear fellas bonga talk let's get to it <laughs> so so david andrew andrew has me put an outline for every podcast that I do just in like a Google doc before we start. And it's usually very brief and just kind of touches on points. I, I, I sometimes don't even really think about it and I just kind of jump around from it, you know? And I just want to be clear. The, the outline for today is point one is bonga question mark. Point two is bonga. Point three is bonga exclamation point. Point four is bonga in all caps exclamation point. And point five is bonga with a bunch of A's and a bunch of exclamation points in all caps. This is my kind of my kind of podcast, folks. I enjoy. I'm enjoy <laughs> That's this. what I thought. So I figure I'm, we're having on the ultimate Isak Bonga stand after after three exhibitions in which he was a plus thirty-eight while the <laughs> Wizards got outscored by nineteen. So that's what a fifty-seven point swing over three games for Isak Bonga in like twenty some odd minutes a game. You're you're this 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 must be a huge week for you. This is a big week for me, fellas. You know, <laughs> I, I feel good about I feel good because I I was on the Bonga train long before most others were, as you know. Um, going this is almost this is a year ago now, right? In Vegas, went back. Remember when we still used to go to things and um, people were around? Remember those days? Good times. <laughs> um, summer league, and watched the the Wizards because you as as you do during the course of summer league, you're watching all the teams. And it wasn't that Bonga did anything especially memorable in those summer league games. It was just that he was so long, and he had decent feet. And you just, I just, you just go, wow. If this guy can ever do anything, he could help a team win games on the court because he's just, he can, you can just see the multi positional guarding 
potential that he had um, as, as long as he wasn't a klutz and he wasn't a klutz on the floor. Um, you know, you're just thinking, he, okay, he could guard ones, he could guard twos, he could guard threes, he could guard fours, right? And 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 especially for the Wizards, knowing that they have pledged, I don't know what what the official number is, it's something like eighty three kajillion dollars to Wall and Beal the next few years. <laughs> um, they have to find people that don't cost a lot of money that can actually go out and play. And so that's where my bonga love started. And nothing is nothing has happened to to sway or to stop me from going all caps every time I see Bonga do something good. Yeah. I mean, I've, so I've kind of been just, just in, in the middle of, of Bonga, almost just not really knowing what the heck he's going to be. Like, I can't even count how many times that I've written. I don't know what Isak Bonga is. I haven't decided if he's going to be really good. I haven't decided if he's not going to be good at all. And, and to me, people talked about him being so raw and that's kind of the perfect word. And he was so raw in that people just kind of, you just kind of saw in Bonga, whatever you thought of Bonga almost said more about you than it did about Bonga. You just saw whatever you wanted to see in Bonga. Either you saw that he couldn't really do anything or you saw the potential to do anything. And, and with Bonga in the exhibition games, it's like, oh, well now he's like, so if he was like raw before, he's not, he's not like, he's not like rare now. But he's, he's like, he's like, he's like blue. He's at like a point where it's like, if there's, if there's a, if you get the steak, you would say it has been put on the grill, but it's not near where you want to eat it yet. And, and I like, I, I am, uh, I'm just, I'm intrigued now. He, he made great energy plays in the exhibition. He had 15 and 12 in one game and was just, he had a couple plays where he just like soared for rebounds and, and I think most importantly with him specifically, he had some really, really, really great like team defense plays. And and I think that's where his value is going to come. It's going to come on just like being a really good defender if he can get there. And it's funny because some of the numbers back up and say he was a really good defender this year. I, I'm not huge into uh, ESPN's real plus minus metric, but, but, but David, I know you'll love this. Uh, Amongst NBA small forwards this year, it goes uh, in defensive real plus minus, which is basically plus minus and it's advanced that that kind of accounts for who's on the floor with you. So it adjusts for the fact that Bongo plays with, say, Isaiah Thomas and Bradley Beal. And first amongst small forwards in defensive real plus minus was LeBron James. I forget who was second, somebody conventionally really good. Third was a, a little known two time defensive player of the year named Kawhi Leonard. And fourth, a hair behind Kawhi Leonard is Isak Bonga. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And so the advanced metrics kind of see it. And then all of a sudden you see him play without some of those players who are the detriment. And he's and he plays well. And he's plus 30. He's a 57-point swing. And you you see it. You see the team defense. You see. I mean, there were a couple of possessions in the in these exhibitions where like he switches and then he shuts down the guy he's switching on, and mm-hmm. and he's he's gotten really good at going like rotating which hands to contest depending on which way a guy is dribbling. He had a few of those moments where I think we can say he's good at. It's like I'm, I see it. Like I see I see why you are uh, why you are are mandating an all caps format for all bonga tweets. 
Uh, well, of course. I mean, again, sometimes it takes time for greatness to, to reach everybody. I understand <laughs> that. It's okay. You just don't see it. You know, there's something that gets in your way. There's there's a, you know, blind spot, bias, whatever it is. But, yeah. No, I'm not, I mean, look, I, I, you still have to actually put the ball in the basket at some point in this game. And I'm not sure exactly how he does that on a regular basis with regular minutes on an NBA court. But... Um, but the defensive piece, and again, I'm overreacting to it because I can't imagine there's five guys who play worse defense than the Wizards five who are on the floor for any particular point in time this season. And it was, it was literally offensive to my eyes to watch them not play defense. Um, and so anybody that shows a pulse at that end, I'm going to probably overreact to a little bit. Um, but I think he's got a shot. You know, with everything else... I think with the Wizards, you know, what happens with Bonga long-term probably is tied in some way to what happens to Hachimura long-term, like everything else that the Wizards have to deal with going forward because, you know, he's just such a unique and and odd skill set um, at both ends. So, uh, but I do think Bonga can help him. I do think he's a guy that could be on the floor at the end of a game if you needed a stop. Um, you know, you're not going to have them on the floor if you need a basket, but if you need a stop and they've, we've all seen numerous games where the Wizards failed to get that stop that they needed. Um, he's a guy that could be out there for him. This is, this is a new trend that, that I'm falling victim to, by the way, which is, uh, mid season, preseason bias and overreaction to three exhibitions in the, in the middle <laughs> of, or in the end of July. This is a new thing. <laughs> it's like oh it's like it's like summer league had a baby with april basketball right you know <laughs> that's a good way of putting those scrimmages yeah i don't even you know, i don't even know what you call them they're not even like they weren't even preseason games you know what i mean like i mean preseason games normally you would you'd have maybe one roster spot and you'd have two guys fighting for it and that would be your preseason and also, obviously, are people in shape? Is anybody hurt? But you would, you'd be looking at that one roster spot and who could get it and who who's doing well and who's not doing well. Yeah, you didn't even have that with these games. I mean, like it's not like somebody's going to get cut, you know. So I'm not even sure what these what the, what you call these games. I mean, you know, I guess scrimmages, but yeah, I mean, they are something. They were something much less than exhibition games, even. Um, so not sure how they. Um, you know, how they will quantify this in the annals going forward. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Rui. Rui is, in my opinion, unquestionably the most important guy the Wizards have in Orlando. And mm-hmm. and I think the reason that that's true is because the Wizards think he's the most important guy they have in Orlando. Um, what have you seen from him? Um, you know, pretty much the same stuff we've seen before, right? I mean... Maybe a little bit more ball handling. I, you know, it still seems kind of clunky at decision making. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think any. Well, let's put this way: I don't think anybody was had the expectation that he was all of a sudden going to become Paul George with the basketball, right? I mean, so um, he's just, you know, he is what he is, and and there's there's a lot of good stuff there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think he, you know, I think he finishes really pretty well around the basket, right? Um, I'm not as worried about the three point thing as, as others may be. 
I think that gets fixed with repetition. Look, I always go back to Jason Kidd's the worst three-point shooter I ever saw, and he wound up making more threes than anybody in NBA history. So, um, you know, you get better with repetition, and he'll work at it. Um, But the in-between thing is where I would have concerns if I were the Wizards. Like, you do have to be able to handle the ball and and make good decisions um, at, at the position he's going to play. Um, and I, I have not seen, and again, these are, we'll, we'll, we'll know more after these eight games are done. Right. I mean, um, but I haven't seen like a jump, like you saw a jump with Bonga, right? I mean, he's obviously a little bit better than he was the last time you saw him. I, I, I don't see, I see still what I saw before, which is he's not a bad player. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys who's down on Achimura. I think he's a pretty good player. I mean, he, offensively he can help you i'm just not sure what it's the fit that's all i keep coming back to is the fit with him and wall and beal next year and again it's got to be you have to have bertons in that conversation um because i think they'll resign him but um where does he fit in and that's what i'm still trying to figure out i just i'm not sure yet um and maybe maybe I'll know more after these eight games. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The fit is the thing for me too. And the thing that I've I've thought about a lot while watching these three games, and you mentioned him playing with Wall and Beal. The thing I've thought about a lot is and and to be clear, I am not advocating Rui has to come off the bench. That is not what I'm advocating. I'm just getting eighteen steps ahead of myself and thinking about different scenarios because that's what I do. But Let's say when Wall and Beal are on the floor, I mean, how many how many possessions are just going to be Wall handling or Beal handling as primary creators during those possessions to start them off? What? Whatever number you say, 75% of them, it's going to be Wall or Beal starting them off when those two guys are on the floor together. My question is, what is Hachimura doing to add value on those 75% of possessions? Because he's not spacing and bringing out defenders to the three-point line. He's not intuitively moving the ball within the offense and making swing passes and that kind of stuff. He's not necessarily cutting. He's not making up the difference on the other end of the floor because he's guarding the other team's best player, because he's an unbelievable team defender or anything like that. What What is he doing to bring value on those 75% of possessions? And when he gets the ball on the other 25% percent of possessions, or if he gets the ball midway into those 75%, is it going to stop with him? Is he going to be spacing out to 18 feet? How's that going to affect John Walls and Bradley Beal's pick and roll game or dribble penetration? How is that going to affect other things? And and I just, I look at that. I look at how good of a fit offensively Bertans is with those, both Beal and and Wall. And I, I wonder, is Rui in a in a basketball situation like that? And and again, this is this is not a talent thing. This is a fit thing. I, for what it's worth, had Rui on my all-rookie team. Uh I had him, I had him second team all rookie. Uh, I, I, it's a, it's a fit thing. And I wonder if Rui is most comfortable when he has the ball and when he can create for himself, because that is the thing he's good at. Now I have the ball and I have decided I'm going to take this 18 footer. And you know what? I'm, I'm usually like, I'm a very analytically inclined evaluator when I look at basketball, but Rui, might just be talented enough on pull-up mid-range shots that he is one of the guys who breaks the math. 
But the problem is you can't have your third option taking those shots. You can have Bradley Beal taking those shots. You can have Kawhi Leonard taking those shots. You can have your first option taking those shots. So I wonder, is he better just roasting bench units and and shooting 45% of those mid-range pull-ups against bench units and just saying, all right, Rui, 16 minutes a night, you can go out there, you can take all the shots you want, and, and you and Troy Brown can run the bench unit together and you can just be our primary bench scorer and you can kill second unit players for 16 minutes. And I'm not saying you only play them for 16 minutes, but that's just how you can disperse the minutes. And and I'm not saying that's the way to do it. I haven't seen the roster and maybe he gets better and maybe Wall and Beal change. I mean, I, I'm just, that's a, of if we sim out next season in a hundred universes, like that's a question that's going to arise in some of those universes. And I, something I don't know the answer to, but it's something I'm looking out for in the, into next year. Yeah, no, I, Fred, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's it's it is going to be kind of the, and I think this will impact the draft also, right? I mean, you've got to, you know, whether they're nine or fifteen, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be in a position where you're probably going to be picking need more than talent. I would think at the at, at anywhere on that on that scale. Um, you know, you're not going to take a flyer on a big that you don't really believe in. I don't think. Um, I think you're you're going to say, hey, you know, who's who complements our top five or six players, right? And who's, you know, I I mean, that's what I think. Maybe I have it completely wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I I I can't imagine. Let's put it this way: with with Hachimura, like I can't imagine. The Otto Porter skill set is is just not available to him, right? So how did Otto Porter fit in with two guys that dominated the ball? He, you know, he ran baseline. He cut without the ball. You know, he learned. He made. He got very, very credible as a three point shooter um, by year three. Um, and you know, why can't Rui do that? I, I don't see any reason why Rui Hachimura can't do that um, and and be a 14 point score, 16, maybe, maybe 18 on a good day. Um, complimentary player to those guys, but he doesn't have it yet. He hasn't shown that you can do that yet. Um, and you, you, you may be right. I mean, it might make more sense to make him kind of like a, a anchor to what would be a really interesting second unit. Um, if you're bringing Ish Smith and, and Troy Brown off with him, I mean, that could be a really interesting second unit next year for Washington. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's not often that someone taken in the top 10 is, is coming off the bench their second year. You know what I mean? <laughs> unless you're on, unless they're on a really good team and he's not. So um, that will be a, a, that will be a call that will require organizational supports um, up and down the food chain to make it to make it sellable to the to the fan base that will be shaking its head at it. So, a quick announcement for Wizards After Dark listeners: most of our listeners are in and around, obviously Washington D.C. So, what better way to promote your business than through our show? Our listeners are loyal; they're engaged, just like you are. What better way to advertise for your business than on your favorite podcast? So, you can go to theathletic.com if you want to come in and advertise. And go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. Again, that's theathletic.com slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T-A-D-S. Theathletic.com slash podcast ads. 
There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. Troy Brown looks good. I yes, think that's that's I that's another guy where it's like, all right, I I can watch those three games and it has nothing to do with his lines, which are like fine. Mm-hmm. He's been like, you know, 12 game and he's a great rebounder. We know he's a great rebounding guard. Like he is he is going to be a great rebounding guard for a long time. We know that. Um, he just is so different in his demeanor. He he is doing things. He is operating totally differently. And and I had a conversation with Troy a couple of months ago where he told me the thing he wants to work on, number one, during this whole time, was just his, his quickness and his agility. And he was doing all these drills with resistant bands to help the proper muscles that would help him with quickness and agility. And that was like the number one thing he focused on during the quarantine period. And like, I see it. I I I. I think he's quicker, and it might just be like a case of I'm thinking about it because he told me that. But if he worked on it, it makes sense. A 20 year old, or I guess 21 now, a 21 year old would get better. Troy Brown, by the way, had his 21st birthday yesterday in the bubble, so um, that must have been a really interesting night. That that's that's a night I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for. Yes, but <laughs> but, uh, but Troy has been like to me. It's not just the quickness it's what's come with the quickness his whole thing Mm -hmm. was kind of being passive not wanting to step on other guys toes which is a thing that young people in any profession tend to be like when they come in and play with a bunch of people who are older than them um and it's also that's just kind of troy brown's personality he's not an in-your-face kind of guy he's very reserved and calm collected um he's very observant um he's very bright and and that's just kind of his personality, so it made sense he was like that. But you can tell he's playing with he's playing with a different pace right now. And I, if I were the Wizards, I'd be excited. I would be excited about. Well, that. I mean, you know, that may be your answer in terms of. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first time that you know someone that maybe wasn't thought of as highly as the higher pick winds up being a better player, or at least to your point, a better fit. Right, so. Um, you know, I would have no problem with playing Troy Brown, you know, I don't know what you would call it. Secondary ball handler, tertiary ball handler, you know, um, he's not a spot up guy yet, but again, I don't, if you can put the ball on the floor and you can make plays for other people, I'm not as worried about your inability to shoot the three because you still are creating good shots and good looks for other people, you know? So to me, again, I always think about the dribble handoff and, 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 and allowing Wall to kind of, as a secondary ball handler on the weak side, come off of a pin down and now he's coming downhill and that's what you want to happen anyway. You just, you just ran an action for him to get it as opposed to running a one four or something like that. Right. So if you had that and now all of a sudden Beal's spotting up and you have Bertans in the other corner and Wall's going downhill and the double comes, he doesn't necessarily, you know, if Troy Brown's on the floor, if Troy Brown makes himself available, now he's going downhill in it with the ability to make a play. And that's when you get open threes is when you constantly move the defense, right? So, um, I wouldn't have a problem with that. And, you know, the question is, can he guard threes at the other end? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that yet. Um, 
But it'd be it would be intriguing to me to have somebody have another ball handler on the floor. I mean, what do the Warriors do? They just they just keep handing the ball off to people till somebody pops open, right? I mean, there's not a lot of subtlety to their offense. I mean, it's just we're going to keep creating mismatches until somebody until we get a layup or somebody's wide open. And okay, well now if you're the Wizards, if Troy Brown is has made that jump, and now you have three guys that can really handle the ball pretty well and can make good decisions with it and can get to the basket. What's wrong with that? You know, so I don't have, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, no question. No question. I mean, I'm becoming increasingly convinced that Troy, regardless of how good he is, whether he's like a high-end bench player or, I I mean, I think he's for sure at this point going to be a, a helpful he is going to be a helpful player on yeah. capable of helping a good team mm-hmm. uh however good he ends up being i'm becoming increasingly convinced that he's just going to kind of be one of those guys that is just really good at being in the right place and making the right decision you know yeah. he's going to be mm-hmm. the guy we're going to be like oh of course troy brown made that cut or right oh right. You know, the really subtle team defense play which maybe mm-hmm. deterred an open three-pointer, which you don't notice unless you're kind of hyper-focusing on what he's doing. And you're like, oh, of course Troy Brown made that rotation promptly enough to save, you know, deter that shot, that kind of stuff. Like, I think I think that's what he's going to end up being. And if, if he, on top of that, can be a guy who can be a legitimately good secondary, I don't think he's ever going to be like an awesome primary creator. But if he can be mm-hmm. a guy who's like a legitimately good secondary creator, and, and right. uses his decision-making powers for that, I mean, that's a good player. And all of a sudden, yeah. like, he was 34 from three this year. He's got to get that up. He's especially got to get that up on catch and shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can be, like, 38-plus percent on catch and shoot threes, I mean, that's that's a – now Now we're talking about a really good player. We're talking about a really, really quality player who who's going to impact winning. So I, 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 am, I am intrigued. Also, like, he's only 21. Right. I feel like he's been around for twelve years already. <laughs> he's only twenty-one years old. Yeah. There's he's yeah. got a lot of time. He's he's well, like he was, six months older than Bonga. Right. He was well. He, well, he was the youngest guy in the league, right? When he when he came in, I mm-hmm. think I have that correctly, right? I think that's um, right. So anyway, yeah. No, I mean, so you know, that's what I would certainly be looking for if I were the Wizards during these eight games. I mean. Again, I'm agnostic about the playoffs. If they want to make it, if they, if you know, the the path to beating the the Nets is probably not that difficult, right? I mean, it requires them to win what four games, probably for, could, for sure. Could be less. It could be less than that, right? Um, so if they if they go three and five, I mean, I certainly think that's possible. I don't know if it's likely, but I mean, it's possible. And so if they want. Look, I never am. I'm never going to say making the playoffs is a bad thing. Anything that gets, you know, these young guys, and especially again Brown and Achimura, um, real real playoff games. Um, you know, that's worth their weight in gold, even if they're thirty point beatdowns by Milwaukee, which we all know they're going to be. Um, that's okay. That's how you learn. That's how you get better. Um, so uh, that would be well worth them doing but if they don't make it i'm not going to lose sleep over it either you know what i mean like it's it's six of one half a dozen of the other to me yeah yeah to to me the value in making the playoffs okay so 
people bring up the playoff experience stuff, and I've brought that up, and I know the Wizards value that a lot. You know, you get you get the young guys at least four games of you know playoff intensity basketball. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is the year where the playoff experience doesn't matter much. Is is playoff intensity basketball? Is it going to feel like playoff intensity basketball in the bubble? I think so. You do? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. They'll look when they if they go out for game one against Milwaukee, and they realize and they see people picking up ninety four feet, and you know the the switch that goes on, and they're down seventeen to two after six minutes, as I suspect they would be. <laughs> I think they'll realize, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, this is what they're talking about. No, I, I have no doubt that Milwaukee's goal would be to, you know, obviously dispatch whoever they're playing as quickly as possible to mitigate injuries against injuries, right? So they're going to get a fully operational Bucks team in in the first round. So I think, and again, I think that's good. I think that's a good thing because you need to know. If you guys want to, you guys want to do something in this league. You need to. This is how you're going to have to play, and I think that that is always worth doing, even in a kind of sterile, odd environment. It'll be sterile exterior, but on the floor it won't be. I don't think it will be. That's fair. Seventeen to two, by the way, in six minutes against Milwaukee would would probably be a defensive improvement. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, after four minutes. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm I'm with you about if they make the playoffs, it's it's good. I I think there's mm-hmm. also the point of like, yeah, you fall from ninth in lottery positioning to fifteenth draft pick, and I get why that's horrifying for people. But whether you have the ninth pick or whether you have the fifteenth pick, especially in this draft that doesn't project yeah. to be very good, exactly, it's, it doesn't matter. Well, it's not even that it doesn't matter. It's just it's it's a certain amount of uncertainty. If yeah. In the ninth pick or in the fifteenth pick, there is a certain amount of uncertainty that comes with that. What you're pinning it, it on is is the hope that you can pick the right guy, which is which yeah. is reasonable, by the way. But if they make the playoffs, it won't be because they just you know Bradley Beal went off and they ended up getting there. If they make yeah. the playoffs, it's probably because Troy Brown played really well and Rui Hachimura mm-hmm. played really well and right. Isak Bonga played really well and maybe a couple of the other young guys did too. And now, like, those young guys carried you there. And if those young guys carried you there, that means they're improving. And I would rather have the certainty of Rui and Troy and the rest of them improving than the uncertainty of, oh, you know what? Maybe those guys guys stagnated, but maybe we can, can, you know, hit a a bloop single with the number nine pick. Like, that's... That to me is a no brainer. So, so I think if you just try to make the playoffs in the right way, which is just put those young guys in a position to succeed, and they succeed, that's a pretty good situation. I would take losing six six or so draft spots because of that ten times out of ten. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then you can take Aaron Nesmith at fifteen, like you should anyway. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 like a it's a much smaller version of the Grizzlies season this year, right? You think the Grizzlies would rather come back and be like, no, nah, I wish we were worse this year. We came in thinking we were going to be bad and get a high pick. And now right. we're stuck. We're stuck in the eight seed because John Morant and Brandon Clark are awesome. What a shame. <laughs> you know, like, it's exactly. the same thing. If you make it because your young guys are ahead of schedule, that's pretty great. 
So, mm-hmm. so I, 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 I think uh, the people, the Wizards fans who were upset about, oh no, don't try to make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs. It would be terrible if they made the playoffs. I think those Wizards fans are kind of just falling into the cookie cutter. Uh, I think if there's one cookie cutter team. Uh, way to make it and you don't want the eight seed that's always terrible it's like you gotta add context to this stuff it's terrible if you make it because Jan Mahimi gets hot in the bubble and you're like that's it Mahimi 36 (laughs) minutes a night that's terrible that's not gonna happen that's not gonna happen I promise if it does happen I promise you will hear from me about it uh I don't think it'll happen no no it's not gonna happen so so there's there's nothing to stress about If they miss the playoffs great you get ninth best lottery odds and maybe you get lucky in the lottery and if you make it it's great too uh yeah, I, 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 I want to ask you real quick, because yeah. um, all NBA votes and, and all awards votes were due yesterday, and uh, I know you didn't have a vote. I did, uh, I did and there was there was lots of Twitter stuff about Bradley Beal making or not making All NBA and whether he should make it. And I want to know if your opinion, uh, your opinion on Beal and NBA, if you think he should make it or not. Well, you know, I I hope Mrs. Beal's not listening. <laughs> It's all right. She's we're thirty two minutes in. There's no way exactly. she would, she would no pain herself listening. listening to me for this long. Um, you know, my my. I guess I would probably not have him on on. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Um, I I respect the grind. I respect the thirty a night. It's not easy to do. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Um, he tried very hard to be a leader this year. He tried very hard to be a. You know, he was a much better playmaker. He got to the. Got to the foul line more, like we've all been begging him to do for years, you know. Um, but again, now here's where I guess the rubber meets the road because I know the NBA is kind of being somewhat elastic on its <laughs> criteria <laughs> um, with regard to positions and things like that. And it's on. It's an unfortunate, I think, offshoot of this kind of era where. You know, we were all yay positionist basketball. Yay, everybody shoots threes. Well, that means yay, nobody has a position, right? <laughs> that means nobody. Mm-hmm. We don't. We can't tell you what anybody plays on a given night because they, everybody switches everything, and you know, and so there aren't cut and dried positions for people, and you do have to kind of guess um, about where a guy you know, what a guy does or what his best position is. Um, and that's probably unfair to guys like Beal, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I would say, you know, the, the, the top six guards, I don't know if there's any particular order to them, but, I mean, I think we all kind of know who should be on that team, right? I mean, so who does he replace? Does he replace Lillard? whose team is doing better in the West, you know, has a real shot at making the playoffs. Um, you know, I'm not sure, like, who do you, who do you take off? Again, I keep coming, who do you take off? So I, I, I had him, and, and I'll have a story out in The Athletic about this, I guess pretty soon, right? Um, yes. <laughs> I spoke to 29, I spoke to 29 all-NBA voters, and I got their ballots, and that's going to be up, so you can read that. I got quotes from from them, give them all anonymity, and uh, mm-hmm. I just got quotes from them, why they did vote for Beal, why they didn't vote for Beal, anonymity just to save them from the Beal family, of course. Um, of course. I did vote for Beal. Mm-hmm. I had him as my last guard on third team, mm-hmm. and um, to me, 
I mean, it, look, it was it was so difficult because I was I'm so hyper aware of the bias. And yeah. and when I say the bias, I think like people think of beat writer. First of all, beat writers voting for their own players is a conflict of interest. There's like every once in a while I hear, no, there's no, there's no bias. It's like, well, if you don't admit there's a bias, then I can't, you're ruining your credibility. Of course there's a bias. But when I say the bias, I don't even mean like I'm afraid of Brad getting pissed at me for not voting. So I feel like I have right. to vote. I didn't vote for him for all-star. The day after mm-hmm. I didn't vote for him for All-Star, I went right up to him. I told him, you know, I didn't vote for you for All-Star. He asked me who I voted mm-hmm. for. I said Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. and Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, okay. And it was completely fine. There was yeah. no... Well, there were no, he's, he's a professional. Right. There were, yeah. there were never any negative effects. It never hurt our relationship. I think he respected that I just went up to him and told him. It was fine. The bias mm-hmm. I worry about is like proximity bias. That I'm so much more hyper aware of all of his um nuances on both both negative and positive then i'm like okay the argument of leaving beal off because he wasn't good defensively is totally legitimate i could i have watched bradley beal for so many minutes this year that i could watch i could point out a split second before it happens when he's going to get back cut because i can see him starting to come out of his defensive stance you know um but like I've seen Bradley Beal play more minutes this year than any other star. So am I leaning on that too much? Um, and I ended up voting for him. It came down to him and Kyle Lowry for me. And I'm I'm huge on Kyle Lowry. My, my, I ended up putting, by the way, LeBron and Harden as my first team guards, Lillard and Chris Paul as my second, and Beal and Ben Simmons as my third. And it mm-hmm. ended up coming down to me as... Um, Beal took an offense that already had almost no offensive firepower whatsoever. And it wasn't that he averaged 30. It was that the, he he took the Wizards into legitimately good offense territory. They were a good offensive team, uh, mostly, for a few different reasons. But he was the, he was the number one reason. And I, I just thought, I think that's, that's an impact on winning. So I had him there. I felt terrible about leaving Kyle Lowry off. Um, mm. I felt really bad about leaving Kyle Lowry off. If I left Beal off, I would have felt bad about leaving Bradley Beal off. But like, I think he's there. I also think it's completely reasonable not to have him there. And it's tough with all oh, like LeBron is eligible at guard and Kawhi is eligible at guard and like Ben Simmons is guarding forward and Jimmy Butler is guarding right. forward. Chris Middleton is guarding forward. Like That's my point. Luca like, is guarding forward. What position does Chris Middleton play? Yeah. You tell me. <laughs> like, what does he play? You know, like, <clears throat> so if I put him at guard, Chris Middleton, by the way, was shooting 40, 42% on threes this year, <laughs> by the way. Um, I, I threw, I put, so I threw, David, I threw Middleton on, on my list. His numbers. So, they're insane. So he's on my, he's my one of my third team forwards. And, yeah. and he, first of all, he is literally the closest to 50, 40, 90 of anyone in NBA history. He is, yes. he is 49.9% from the field and 42, mm-hmm. 91. So he is literally closer than anybody in NBA history. Mm-hmm. He, but to me, like that's an encapsulation. Like that's not even the reason why I did it. I mean, per 36, he's like 25 of a game and, and, and very good defense as well. But mm-hmm. he, if you break down his scoring even more to see how complete yeah. his scoring was, it was insane. He shot 48% on pull-up jumpers. Yeah. He shot 54% on 
from 16 right. feet to the three-point line. That is right. ridiculous. I mean, he was such an unbelievable... And, and by the way, he took eight pull-up jumpers a game. Like, yeah. such an unbelievably complete season. But here's the thing. People... I think people look at Beal and they see, oh, 30 a game and say, well, then he must be there because we still think of 30 similarly. There were there were five guys, including Beal, on my all NBA ballot who averaged 30 or more points per 36 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. it's still a great number. It's not as wild as it used to be. There were like 16 guys in the league who averaged 25 a game or more this year. Yeah. It's not the same yeah. thing as it used to be. Well, again, that's that is the reality of of a league where, you know, scoring means everything and you can score 150 points in a game and lose, right? So I mean, you so points, it's not that they don't matter, it's that they are so watered down that that someone scoring 30 does not carry the the Pat the punch that it used to, right? So, um, you know, and literally there were, to your point, I mean, there were, you know, Giannis averaged 29.6, Trey Young averaged 29.6, Damian Lillard averaged 28.9. They could have all gotten to 30 relatively easily. Like, it's not like it was a lift for any of those guys. It wouldn't be a lift for any of those guys to get to 30. So, the fact that there's only two guys who score 30 doesn't necessarily mean that they both should be all NBA. And I say that again, understanding that Brad had a great season, you know, he had a great season, you know? Um, And, and I am not in any way, you know, trying to take away from the season that he's had, but you can only pick six. Right. And, and so, you know, if LeBron's eligible at guard, what are we talking about? You know, that's what I'm talking about with this elasticity. I would say he's not a guard. He's a forward. But if the point is, well, he brings the ball up and he makes all the assists and all the plays and all the passes, so he's a guard, then then just don't give it a name. Just call it player. You know, like, I mean, just pick five players and stop with the nonsense about trying to keep them tied to positions because there's – and just pick the 18 best players in the league this year, you know, or the 15 best players in the league this year and call it a day. Yeah, I'm with you. The most egregious one is they made Jokic eligible at forward. He has never, except for the one preseason game against the Wizards last week where they played 12 centers in their starting lineup because half the roster was out. He has not played forward at all. Like it's that that's an absurd one. Like with Anthony Davis, it's like, yeah, he plays the majority of his minutes at forward. But I, I, I understand. Why you're throwing him yeah. at center? I I get that. That that makes sense. Um, right. I I mean, look. If you go to Basketball Reference, it says that LeBron played 57 percent of his minutes at point guard this year. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how Basketball Reference actually calculates that. I do use that play by play data just to kind of get general ideas of stuff. But when you watch LeBron, right. LeBron doesn't square up against a point guard. Like no. what often what LeBron will do is he he just kind of plays on on the weak side against whoever handles the least or moves the least off the ball. Like that's mm-hmm. how LeBron guards and he he makes a major impact, you know, off the ball almost free safetying sometimes. But right. but that's that's not point guard. Like he yeah. he's no more of a point guard this year 
than he's been pretty much any other year of his career. But exactly. but we started nominally referring to him as a point guard for some reason because Frank Vogel said, "Oh, he's going to be our point guard," and he and he <laughs> averaged and he averaged a lot of assists, even even a lot he's of assists al- by his. Name. He's always averaged a lot of assists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nothing new. Yeah, he's averaged but, eight assists a game is you know most of his career. So yeah, what's the? There's nothing new there. <laughs> but but I know I know the reason the league made LeBron eligible at guard was because of that basketball reference. That that's the reason yeah. they did it, and they were like, "Look, we're." If the analytics say it, then we're just going to make him eligible. And I don't think that's – even though when I watch, I'm like, look, LeBron is a forward. That's what he is. Kawhi is a forward. That's what he is. I right. understand. Sometimes he's going to guard shooting guards. Sometimes he's going to guard point guards. I understand that. He is a – but he is a forward. Ben Simmons, I get. You put him at both. Ben Simmons is both. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, I get. You could put him at both. Luka, I get. Um but but getting to that degree is a little different. I I also think I'm in the minority. I think we might be in the minority on this. Like I right. think all I hear from almost every voter is like just make it positionless and it, just make it so I can get the 15 best players on the team however possible. And if whatever makes me closer to getting the 15 best players on all NBA is what I want. So I I think and look, I still succumb to it. I I it's not like I like st- stood in my principles and was like, no, I, I put LeBron at guard. I yeah. put Anthony Davis at center. I put Luca at forward. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I still succumb to it. Cause if it's there, you know, the league is making it eligible. This is, right. they're creating the format. I, I got to play within the rules of the, of the format. Uh, if I would make it differently, I'm not going to like do a protest vote because I don't believe LeBron should be a guard. Like that would be ridiculous to me. So, mm-hmm. so, um, but I think I think we're in the minority complaining about this. I think most of the listeners probably think we're it's wrong. It's not a complaint. It's just that, you know, I, I mean, I'm not complaining about it. It's just that I I just don't know, you know, I, I'm not sure what the point is of putting a guy that clearly is a forward because unless I missed my – unless I was mistaken, I'm pretty sure Avery Brilli was on the floor <laughs> during those most of those Laker games with LeBron handling the ball. Um, and he wasn't playing forward. He was play. He was a guard, like he's always been. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what. It, it if you if you can play any position, then why have positions? They don't mean anything. There's literally no meaning to them. If you're gonna let, if you're gonna say, well, you can put LeBron at guard or forward, then okay, then just then just get rid of guard, forward, center, and just say we're picking the 15 best people. And whoever gets the you know the five most votes is first team, and whoever gets the second most votes is second team, and whoever gets the third most votes is third team. Fine, fine. You know, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Any, any, you mm-hmm. got, you got anything else? Any, any observations on the, on the Wizards' young guys? We didn't talk because there are a number. There's, there's the Schofields and the, the. I mean, I've, ju- the rest of them I've just about. seen Schofield and Robinson miss a lot of threes in the games that I've been able to watch. So, which does not bode well for either of them <laughs> going forward. They've got to got to pick that up a lot if they're going to, you know, be have a meaningful role on this team going forward. Because, you know, if you're not starting and you're not great defensively, um, you better be shooting. You know what I mean? <laughs> You you better be, you know, putting the ball in the basket at some point. So that's where I'm, you know, 
and and it's it's not that Schofield's not bad defensively, um, but he's not a lock. He didn't lock people up as far as I could see. Um, so and you know again Robinson, I want him to be good, but you know let's put it this way: I saw Garrison Matthews show sparked. He flashed in the time he played this year, right? I mean it was clear this guy can shoot. Okay, like, this guy's a big time shooter, so you know that. There's a role for him down the road somewhere. Like, I can figure it out. Napier is a really solid point guard. So I can figure out that he can, you could see a place for him on this team somewhere going forward. Um, but the other two aren't there yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I am really surprised by how many off the dribble mid range jumpers Jerome Robinson is allowed to take. Hmm. He, he took 11 mid-range jumpers in the three exhibitions right like why is jerome robinson taking so many (laughs) off the dribble mid-range jumpers i'm just i guess the argument (laughs) against me i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna now debate myself this is what i do i think about the wizards so much and to such a degree that i sit there debating (laughs) myself about the wizards i don't even (laughs) david i don't even need you here that's what the next episode of this thing you is going to be. could literally be talking. Just talk to yourself. Just me screaming about myself with my <laughs> wizard's bipolarity. I, I'm i trying to think of what Scott Brooks would say to me, and I asked him about it, and he didn't quite say it. But Scott Brooks constantly talks about how he needs to – Jerome Robinson needs to be more confident, needs to instill confidence in Jerome Robinson. He thinks he, thinks he has a problem with that, and he thinks too much about shooting and all of that. So maybe Scott Brooks is just like, look – we can get rid of the habits, but before we get rid of the habits, I don't want to tell him to stop shooting if he's actually shooting. Like yeah. maybe Scott Brooks is just like, I don't, this is a mental thing, not a schematic thing. It is more important for him. Hey, look, he's shooting. He took 19 shots in a game. I'm thrilled about that. Just let him, yeah. let him feel comfortable in himself on shooting, but, and it's exhibition games. So maybe he's like, just try it out and see what happens. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say Anything in the uh, the midseason preseason is some some gigantic problem or anything like that. I was just so surprised to see Jerome Robinson coming out chucking off the dribble mid range jumpers like a lot, like a yeah. like like as much as Rui, and <laughs> and that was that was really surprising. Um, that was really surprising to me. I, I didn't expect that, given that he he doesn't really make them and the percentages <laughs> show that too so it's not like he's one of those guys who can't like Rui doesn't shoot threes but Rui is an excellent mid-range shooter right right um yes you know robinson doesn't really make them so i i'm yeah. just i'm surprised by it <laughs> i was surprised by it i mean yeah you know, i'm sure he's got you know I'm, I'm sure green you know it's green light but now it's like okay but you've got to do something smart with the green light right so right um, that's where he probably is for sure. And they don't, you know, so, um, but like I said, those guys have going to, going to have to make more shots because, you know, they've got three guys not there right now who can make a ton of them. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm guessing they're going to add a fourth in the draft. So, um, you know, they're, 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 they're going to have to earn their keep by making shots for sure. And that includes Thomas Bryant too. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. Any, any, you got anything, uh, coming out or, or anything you wanted to plug before we I just got off? No, I just I just did my my enormous 5000 words on on the league starting uh yesterday. So I'm I'm going to wait and now and see. Well, actually I got to get on this this uh, 
Zion conference call in about half an hour. Um, and then, you know, just watch the first few games like everybody else and kind of see what, what's going on down there. Um, it hasn't been as bad as I thought, frankly. I thought the games would be much worse than they were. They actually were not bad. And that's a testament to the guys coming in shape and ready to go. And it hasn't been good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not like it's been scintillating. But I really thought it was going to be dreadful. Um, and it wasn't dreadful after the first couple of days. It's been much better. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Just want to you know see how how things when when they do turn it up a notch for these seeding games, and I think they will. I, I am curious to see who kind of separates from who because the the top teams just don't want to get anybody hurt, and so you know it's it's those you know ten to fourteen teams that have some reason to play with some alacrity. I want to see how they do over these eight games. Oh yeah. These these guys were playing five on five over the last four months for sure. Yeah, yeah. They are way too good. All, yeah, I think we can all <laughs> safely agree on that. So. Yeah. Um well check out David's podcast, Hoops Adjacent. Um yes, you can the Athletic NBA show there, we like to call Oh, it. that's right, the Athletic NBA show, of course. Yes. Um yes. check out the Athletic NBA show. And uh if you just happen to be listening to this random episode, but you are not a subscriber, you can subscribe to Wizards After Dark wherever you listen to podcasts. You can head on to iTunes, you can give us five stars. If you love the show, you can leave a rating. That always helps a lot more than you might think. If you want to read uh, you know, David's big primer on, on, on that he just mentioned. If you want to read the BLL NBA piece I mentioned earlier in the show or anything else that we've got up either at the Athletic DC or the rest of the Athletic and you're not a subscriber and you want to change that, you can get 40% off on an annual subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. Again, that's 40% off on an annual subscription, which comes out to $36 for the full year at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. I am going to be starting off with postgame shows with the season coming back on Friday against the Suns. So I will be doing a postgame show Friday after the Suns game. I don't know if that's going to post late Friday night or if it's going to go up on Saturday morning, but we'll be back to like the regular season format with basketball coming back. So uh, the way it's going to work is it's just going to be post-game shows after weekday games, or I should say post-game shows after weekday games. So no post-game show for Friday and Saturday games, uh, meaning to no episodes that'll be going up on Saturday morning or Sunday morning. The Friday game against the Suns is the exception. It's the first game with basketball we've had in four and a half months, so I'll be doing an episode after that. So look out for another episode in a few days after the Wizards open up against the Suns, where we'll be talking about uh, whatever happens then. I'll be back then. 